Why was the car running on fumes? Because it kept passing gas. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal Tacey, and Dr. Scott will be here in just a minute. This is a show for people who never listen to a medical show on the radio. If you've got a question, you're embarrassed to take to your medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. I can't mention contractually. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, uh, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, um, practical nurse, physician, physical therapist, or whatever, whatever. So anyway, all right. Um, don't forget to check out stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com, where you will find the roadie tumor, uh, tumor, tuner uh, for your stringed instrument, the most incredible uh, thing I've ever seen. And this thing will tune up your guitar or your bass if you get the right one or your mandolin or whatever. And uh, you just have to pluck the string and it does it for you. You don't even have to touch the, the uh, key yourself. It is really cool. Um, go to roadiemusic.com or just go to drsteve.com and click uh, the uh, the store link or go to stuff.drsteve.com and you will find everything that you need to find there um, about the roadie tu- tuner. Uh, also check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. If you need some earbuds, Go to tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID, we'll get you 33% off your um, your uh, order and the best customer service anywhere. And I have one mask left. So, and it's going out today to somebody, and that's it. So, but if you want an archive of the show, we will send you some, you know, I don't know, an autographed piece of crap cartoon or something. Uh, just by going to drsteve.com and click on get every show on a thumb drive, you get uh, 17, 18 gigs of content in a 32 gig hard dr- or thumb drive, um, and um, it's got every show on it, plus a little bit of bonus material, not a whole lot, but there's some in there. So anyway, um, check that out. It's 30 bucks. And uh, we we don't make any money off of it when you include shipping and buying the thumb drives and stuff, but it's just a good way to get that out there if you want it. Because if you go to 
the laugh button only goes back to episode 300. So there's three, 299 episodes you're not hearing if you do that. So go to drsteve.com for that. So uh, last time we had this question, and uh, I kind of um, asked the bed on this one, so I thought we would try it again. Good Let's luck. See. Yeah, I know. Let's see. Where is he? Hey, We're... Dr. Steve. Tim in California. Hey, Tim. Um, I have fairly healthy valve. I haven't found the Bristol stool scale mug to be that helpful for its original purpose, but it has come in handy for helping me to judge the quality of different podcast episodes. <laughs> Okay, very good. So he's talking about the Bristol Stool Scale mug, which is a um, the Bristol Stool Scale. How would you describe it, Taste? Well, it's just a it's a visual scale, a visual analog scale, to determine what kind of stools you're having that day. Exactly. And it's really kind of useless, to be honest with you. So it classifies them. But why do we classify things? We usually in medicine classify things not just because we like things in neat little boxes, because we do things differently. For example, we have four stages of most cancers except for small cell lung cancer, and small cell lung cancer only has two stages. Why? Because we treat, we have two ways of treating it. Stage, you know, a limited stage and extensive stage, people who are not metastatic people are metastatic, whereas with uh, adenocarcinoma of the lung, which is not small cell lung cancer, there's four stages. Stage one, stage two, stage three are all based on size, and then stage four is if it's distantly metastasized, and we will treat those different. Breast cancer, same way. You've got four stages of breast cancer with substages inside each one. So we would treat all of those things differently, or they may have a different prognosis. We may treat them the same, but the prognosis is different. With the Bristol stool scale mug, it's just, you know, are you crapping out pellets or you're crapping out, you know, water and then everything else is in between? Yes, I think, you know, if you go to the doctor and you are complaining of constipation or whatever, you can say, well, look, because these are in a, the Bristol stool scale is actually in a lot of exam rooms. And they can say, well, look, this is what it looks like. Okay, yeah, I guess. That's what you want when you go into a, Room is a big poster with piles of fecal matter on it that you get to pick from, like a menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a business we're in. Anyway, all right, so uh, let's see what he uh, had to say. Anyway, I know you're a big advocate of the flu vaccine, and I do get it every year. I am. Uh, I've always heard the figure that there's something like 80,000 people who die each year from the flu. I guess the part I'm trying to wrap my head around is why don't I know anybody that has died from the flu, and why does... Nobody I ask know anybody that died from the flu. Okay, yeah, so that's a good question. And I tried to calculate it on the fly before, and I just kind of, uh, it was a little, it's hard to do that and run the board and all that stuff at the same time. So It was bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, it was bad. So um, there are, I, I don't have the the best answer because he wants to know what are the odds i can calculate how many people you would know on average that died we could do that so let's 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 do that real quick in a typical year we'll say 30 million people get the flu out of 330 million let's say so it's about nine percent or 0.09 and then of that is about 30,000 die now some years way worse than that you know 1918 pandemic 
there were 500,000 people died. But in the typical year, when we had the the pandemic of, what, 2009 or something, if I remember correctly, it was only like 13,000 people died. That's why people weren't freaking out about it. It wasn't that deadly. A lot of everybody got it or a lot of people got it. But um, it wasn't very deadly. But anyway, so let's just pick a number. It's say 30,000 people out of the 30 million people that got it. So that's 0.1% which or 0.001. So if you know 300 people, the number of them who had flu in any one year would be 300 times 0.09, right? Because the, the population is point. Uh, is 9% gets it. So you multiply the population of people you know times 9% give you a, you know, statistics don't apply to the individual, but, you know, we're trying to do a statistical problem. So 300 times 0.09 would be 27 people. So if you know 300, because I don't talk to 300 every day. There are people that I know that may get the flu and I would never know about it because I don't talk to them. I probably talk to 10 people. I'm sure all of your friends would call you and let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. I mean, I'm sure, seriously, yeah. I'm sure. They... Well, I mean, of the 300 people I know, there's some of them have moved away. I just don't hear from them. But anyway, so the number of them who had the flu would be 27. And of those 27, the number who would die would be 27 times .001. So the number of people that I would expect to know who died from the flu, if I know 300 people and everything else is equal, would be 0.027 people, okay? So uh, 2.7% of one person. Now, um, over if we just multiply that times 20 years, and this is assuming that's the same number of people all the time, over 20 years, the number who would die would be a half of a person. So um, there's a good chance that uh, you don't know anybody that died from the flu. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The numbers are huge, but so is the population. The population is even more huge. And so, the again, the risk to the individual is very low. The risk to... So you'd have to know 600 people to get one person to die from this if these numbers are reasonably correct. So it makes sense that it wouldn't necessarily know anybody. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, Dr. Scott's here. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, try that again. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, there you go. Oh, those dulcet tones. Yeah. Sato Vachi. It's about smoker's <laughs> voice. There you go. All right. Um, so that took care of that. We, Dr. Scott, we just... It re-answered that question about uh, statistics from last time. Why, when this person didn't know uh, anybody that died of uh, influenza, hmm. and um, there you go. It's because it's likely that you won't know somebody. All right. Um, let, you know, let's just answer some questions. Number one thing: don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Oh, but Tacey, you had a you had a couple of news. Um, yeah, but people probably don't want to hear them. Yeah, they do. They're good. They're, I do. they're good stories. I proof. I proved. We gotta kill okay. some effing time. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I've only got five minutes, and then I'm out of here. Okay. So, um, well, good news. Uh, the World Health Organization said COVID nineteen cases declined by seventeen percent worldwide last oh, week. That's not bad. Let me see. Give yourself oh. a bill. <laughs> that was the wrong one. That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, I know. In around here. 
Um, we peaked out at about 460 in the hospital. I think we dropped down to below 100, so that's good. Yeah, good news. Yeah. So um, also there's another article. If you go into a restaurant and the windows are all open and, and everything, it, it could be because they're using CO2 monitors to assess ventilation what? quality. Well, okay, so... Do they like, think that there's too much there CO2 are, inside these buildings? No, there are laws that have closed restaurants down, right? But the restaurants say, right. wait a minute, we have windows. What right. if we open the windows? So they're using CO2 monitors <laughs> to make sure that the carbon dioxide, which is the gas we expel when we breathe, yes, um, is under 450 parts per million, which is a normal outdoor level. That is hilarious. Mm -hmm. So this is just really a political thing, if you think about it, because there, you can be in the steamiest, most closed up nightclub with people all mushed in there during pre-COVID times, and there's not a concern about the carbon dioxide levels being too high. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing is they're going, look, hey, we're just... Uh, we're, you know, we're demonstrating that it's the same. So this is really a political thing because there's no medical reason to test carbon dioxide uh, levels inside a restaurant. Well, I would prefer that one be in every restaurant because I don't want to breathe other people's breath. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, then what you want, though, is is adequate ventilation then, you know, and a hood. What's what's cool about eating at like a Japanese hibachi restaurant um, is that they've got those hoods, and it's probably sucking everybody's horrible respiratory secretions up into the hood, too. So uh, that might be the safest place to eat if you're really worried about this particular thing. Another um, story that I pulled up is that um, the COVID vaccine may be the cause of a rare blood disorder in at least 36 people. Okay. That's immune thrombocytopenia. Yeah, ITP it's called. And uh, these are people who have, um, um, who have low platelet count is basically what it is. Some kids will have it. There are, we know a kid that has this. And we can't, I'm not going to say his name. But, and what will happen is every once in a while they'll start getting a bloody nose or they'll get bruising. And then you check their platelet count and it's low. And you can... Um, you you can treat it with steroids a lot of times. Okay. So now the question is that we see that all the time. Well, not all the time, and it's not that rare. It's uncommon, but not. I wouldn't I wouldn't define it as rare. It depends on how you define rare. But um, so there, it can happen sporadically. So did it happen at a higher rate in the COVID vaccine people? than it did in the regular population. So one way we could find out is to, and this will be loads of fun for everybody, but what is the um, incidence of uh, ITP in the general population? Okay. So let's see what that is, the incidence, how many cases you get. Okay. 3.3 uh, uh, per 100,000 adults per year. Okay. And there so, were 36. So remember that. Just remember 3.3 .3 per 100,000 because I'm going to have to open up another window. So uh, how many people have been vaccinated, have been vaccinated for COVID-19 in the U.S.? And it's, it's in the tens of millions at this point now. So let me see. Looks like 13 million people. Okay. And then out of 13 million, how many got 36? 36. Okay. So if the number is... 
equal to or smaller than that number that I just gave you, the incidence, then it's not related to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So what do we say? 36 divided by 13 million? Mm-hmm. Echo, what percentage of 13 million is 36? 36 is 0.0002769% of 13 million. Echo, what percent of 100,000 is 3.3? 3. 3.3 3. 3 is 0.0033% 0. 0. of 100,000. So it's, it may not have anything to do with that. Oh, fake news story. It's fake well, news, Well, I don't know man. that it's fake. It happened. <clears throat> but what's the import? Is it something we need to worry about? doesn't sound like it. Yes, and I don't want it to come out as that I'm an anti-vaxxer. No, 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 I know. I mean, you're reporting a story, but, you know, I think that's the thing that we have to do is when we look at these, we have to do a little bit of critical thinking. Now, that also happened over a very short period of time because we've just been vaccinating people for a month or two. So in a month or two, that might be a lot uh, of people given that many. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there may be something there, but it's not as large of an effect as it looks like it is. Because there are people that would naturally be um, uh, considered to develop this over a, over any period of time that you can judge. Okay. Okay? Last story. Yep. Variant could be up to 50 times more transmissible. 50? Fifty percent or fifty percent. Fifty percent. Sorry, that's different. sorry, that's okay. sorry, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Which that's is okay. Sad. That's okay. Scientists aren't sure <laughs> if you can catch COVID nineteen variant after getting regular COVID nineteen. Yeah. That's the question. Does and it, it, that applies to the vaccine too? Is the vaccine for the normal quote unquote you know the baseline COVID uh, virus going to protect against these variants and? The same question arises if you had the the disease, does it protect you from getting this? Because well, if it does, it's not that big of a deal. But if it doesn't, then we got a whole new pandemic to deal with. This says if the virus changes enough. Yeah. You know, right. that's basically yeah. what it's about. So they don't know. And it says some tests suggest that the South African and Brazilian variants may be less susceptible to antibody drugs or antibody-rich blood from sure. COVID-19 survivors. Which, which makes sense. So right now we are giving monoclonal antibodies to people who it's who are at risk of becoming ill, really ill, mm-hmm. of going into the hospital. And it keeps them out of the hospital. You know, if you're over 65 and you get COVID, you're a candidate. If you've got diabetes, you know, an immune disorder, those kinds of things. Okay. You can, and you get diagnosed with it. You can go to an infusion center. They give you the infusion. And more likely than not, you won't end up in the hospital. So it is one of the few things that we have. So what they're, But it makes sense if it's different enough that monoclonal antibody is programmed basically for one specific protein on the virus. And if the protein's changed enough, it won't latch onto it. And okay. therefore, it won't block it from, from uh, implanting itself and causing problems. So, so then it says that so far... So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. That so far the research shows they aren't deadlier, just more contagious. Yeah. Okay. And which will cause more hospitalizations and more deaths, though. More more what? Deaths. Okay. And I'm out. Okay. All right. Out. All right. What? See you, days. Take that okay. out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Lunatic. She, and she's taking out the microphone with her <laughs> and the headset. Yep. <clears throat> uh, write down 17 minutes, will you, Scott? Sure. 
because I need to do a little bit of bleeping. I can do it. That's all right. It's all good. That's all right. It was funny, though. Just <laughs> can't can't live with it. Clunk. All right. Let's take a couple of questions here. Dr. Steve. Hey. Greetings from Southern California. Hey, man. I have a question for you. Yep. Lately, for the last year or so, I've been suffering this weird thing when I sleep at all. It doesn't matter what uh, day it is, you know, but it doesn't happen at night. It happens in the day, like when I lay down for a nap. I'll be sleeping, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I'll feel my whole body jerk yep. one way. Yep. Like my entire body just jerks, and it pulls me one direction. Yep. What is that? Is that a hypnagogic episode or a hypnagogic or is it a form of seizure or epilepsy? Give yourself Let a me know. Bell. Thank you very much. Bye. I was trying to give you the bell on the first thing, not the la- the last thing. <laughs> he should have stopped with his first answer. Hypnagogic episodes are those that occur during the transition between being awake and transitioning into REM sleep. And when you take a nap in the afternoon, a lot of times you have crazy dreams and stuff. There, you know, there may be some disruption in that transition because it's not a normal type of sleep when you take a nap in the afternoon. Or when I say normal, it's not like you do at night where you have, uh, you know, um, deep sleep Cycles. and then light light sleep, deep sleep, and then REM sleep, mm-hmm. light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep. And you don't have that. And so if you are prone to hypnagogic events, you're probably more likely to have it during an afternoon nap than at bedtime. But these are those. Have you ever been one where you're just sort of dozing off and then all of a sudden you get this image like someone kicked a soccer ball in your Mm -hmm. face and you jerk or or you fell like three feet? It's Mm -hmm. never a long distance and you just jerk wide awake and your whole body jerks. That's what that is. Now, when you're going from REM sleep to wakefulness in other words you're going from so this is you're going into sleep you're inducing sleep Mm -hmm. when you're coming out of sleep there's a different kind of episode it's called a hypnopompic episode that's that very typical sleep paralysis where people will wake up and they can't move their body Mm -hmm. and then you start hallucinating Mm -hmm. and you may hear things in your room or you may think that you're on a gurney being taken into, you know, by <laughs> sure, sure. long, tall people with elongated heads and elongated eyes into a spaceship. Yes. And ve- when I read uh, Whitley Strieber's <laughs> accounts of being taken, I recognized a kindred, not a necessarily a kindred spirit, but a kindred syndrome that I have hypnopompic episodes too but i know what they are Mm -hmm. and so when i wake up and i can't move i'm in a in a condition of lucid dreaming Mm -hmm. but i can't move so it's not like i can jump up and start you know having intercourse with people in my dreams like anthony does that's what he does when he (laughs) lucid dreams but i can enjoy it you know because it is an altered state Mm -hmm. because you're so when you sleep one of the things that has to happen is your your body has to turn a switch that says disconnect this guy's brain from his body so that he's not running around acting out his dreams. Right. Because if that switch doesn't get turned on, then what is that called? You, then you get restless legs. Well, or somnambulism. Oh, those, okay. those are sleepwalkers. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and restless leg is involved in this somewhere, too. Somewhere, yeah. But um, those are sleepwalkers, so they're sort of acting out their dreams. 
And it, probably the fact that they're actually up and walking around informs what's going on in their dreams because, you know, I kind can, of supports whatever's yeah, happening. Yeah, I mean, my stupid dreams, I, I have people skating on linoleum. I've had that before. And it's like, well, right. I never knew you could do that. <laughs> or when I um, uh, have gone into my backyard and the Eiffel Tower is there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, sh- shit. How'd that happen? Paris has always been in my backyard. Why did I? And I'm smart enough in my dream to go, why is it that I had to get on a plane to go there when it was in my backyard all the time? So I was smart enough to know that I used to have to get in a plane, but not smart enough to realize this is stupid as hell. You know, the, the thought patterns don't make sense. I love it. But anyway, so dream state is interesting. But when you have a hypnopompic episode... You're still dreaming, but you are now fully conscious, mm-hmm. and your body is still shut down. That that motor part is shut down. That's why you're paralyzed, because mm-hmm. that all, all those switches that have to be flipped for you to go into REM sleep, not all of them unflipped when you came out of it. Okay. So the body paralysis is still there. Now, the last time I had a hypnopompic episode, I willed myself to sit up. Mm-hmm. Now, in my dream. I could see the room like you and I are looking at at each other. It was bright. I saw all the furniture, all the pictures, everything. And then I willed myself without using any motor activity at all to sit up, though. But it was just really, I was just in the dream state. I went from looking at the ceiling to looking at the wall across from me, right? So I just kind of levitated up half of my body. And then when I did that, I looked to the left, and there was a, there was a gurney. Oh right? gosh! Well, that was just because I was expecting it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so I see this hospital <laughs> gurney, but it surprised me because it was as real as you are to me right now. Right on. And uh, when I saw that, I all of a sudden I jerked wide awake, but I was laying down, and it was dark in my room, and I couldn't see anything. Hmm. So that was the real state. The altered state was me looking around and being able to see everything in the room. And what that tells you is that you have a pretty effing precise map of your surroundings. And that map is kept in the cerebellum. That's the back part of the brain uh, that you can rely on that's actually better than you think it is, you know. And when you are in a really dark room like in your bedroom and you break your foot on your bed because you didn't exactly know where the bed was. It's because I think the left brain is going, no, 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 you're too far to the right, too far to the left. If you just let the right brain talk, you could probably, you've got that map in your head. You mm-hmm. let the cerebellum and the and the nonverbal right brain talk, and you could walk around, do all kinds of stuff. Interesting. Fact. So it is, uh, it is fascinating. And by the way, when you break your foot and you're going ow, 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 at, at two in the morning and then your wife is like, can you be quiet, please? Mm-hmm. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. And then you find out later you actually fractured your foot. Um, and she still wants you to be quiet. Yeah, true story. <laughs> but anyway, so um, they uh, so that's a hypnopompic event. But that was really, that was wild. The first time I had one, there was a giant eye floating in the <laughs> air next to me. And again, I had a perfect image. I was in my parents' bedroom. My parents were out of town, and I had my girlfriend, and we were sleeping in my parents' bed. Oh my and um, the uh, I had this perfect image of the, their dresser drawers, the window going to the outside. They had a sliding glass door that looked out and a mountain and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw all that stuff. And wow. I could look around, move my head. It's just amazing. It's like virtual reality. Yeah, it's, it's what, it sounds like the Oculus thing. It is. 
basically virtual reality at, the, at that time. That's pretty cool. It's fascinating. Yeah. Now, if anybody else has had these kind of episodes, feel free to call in. My, but I, you can imagine, and I'll, I'm sorry, yeah, it's, I, but you can absolutely understand why someone who doesn't know what this is would think they were being abducted by aliens yes. or there were supernatural forces doing things to them because it is very otherworldly. And you're still dreaming, too. So yeah. you can see and hear things that aren't there. It's so incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In stereo. It, Go ahead. I was just going to tell you that my, my, my re- the, the thing that always happens to me is the hypnagogic part, but it's always a baseball coming at my head. Yeah, because you played baseball. Because we played college well, baseball. Well, I played soccer, and it's always a soccer ball. <clears throat> and I was wondering Isn't that I, weird? if that's something that's pretty consistent throughout, because I've had it ever since. I got hit in the head with a 95-mile-an-hour oh, fastball <laughs> back from this dude at UAB one time. He liked to kill me, but still Did he do it on purpose? No, 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 no. But okay. He, he rung my bell. Yeah. But um, still. Because I know that happens. To, yeah, to this day, to this day, um. And it's pretty regular. I'll, I'll I'll be dozing off, and all of a sudden that fastball's coming right at my head. I jerk. I was yeah. Like, oh shoot. Yeah. It's pretty. Crazy. Well, that's interesting because I always just thought it was a coincidence that I always saw a soccer ball. That's why I asked. Yeah, because if it's if that's kind of consistent for for most folks, it would be kind of cool to know. Yeah, or if your you know if your parents hit you all the time, oh, you'd shoot. see a big yeah. old hand come or a belt. Yeah. Oh lord, I've got to fix this microphone. I'm sorry. I have to stand again. You know, my back has been doing so good. Yeah, so you hadn't said anything about it in a while. Nope, it's been doing great. And then, um, I mean, I really almost had no pain. And I had three different epidural steroid injections. I had physical therapy. And just, you know, just the last couple of days, it's kind of coming back. But it's gone away before. I'm really Mm -hmm. trying to avoid having surgery. Mm -hmm. So We're going to try really hard. So I may have to come see. We have needles. needles We have needles. All right. Uh, So... Well, this is hard to do standing up. (laughs) (laughs) You need longer arms. Yeah. First house caller. Hey, man. Uh, I work at an airport, and myself and some of my coworkers recently got the COVID vaccine. Excellent. Which is a big deal for me because I'm usually a big baby when it comes to needles. No, good for you. So uh, I I think I deserve (laughs) one of those bells. (laughs) Oh, okay. There you go. Hoping you could settle a little disagreement for us. I always figured that it would be best to get shots in my non-dominant arm. Okay. uh, Since you use it less, and it would therefore hurt less. But I've been hearing some people saying it's actually better to get it in your dominant arm because moving it around helps your arm feel better faster. Yep. Um, Is this true? I guess maybe it might help drain some lymph nodes if you're shaking your arm around, but I'm not actually sure if... If that's how it works. Yeah. Well, the anyway, fact that... thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. The fact that anybody thinks that there is a right answer to this is what's funny. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> well, because... <laughs> right. Because there's pros and cons to both, just oh. like everything else. This is like DC versus Marvel or Apple versus Mac or Android versus, you know, iOS. Right. There's always going to be people saying, well, mine's, mine's better and yours sucks. But there, there's good things for both. Right you know, I have all of those things. Oh. And I like them. I like them all. So, uh, but there are pros and cons. So if you pick your dominant arm, you are, just like the guy said, I'll give him one of these. Give yourself a bill. Uh, you're more likely to move your dominant arm through the day. And I mean, the more you move it, the more you work it into your muscles. And the more your the body will kind of take it out of the way 
because that's how the body does a lot of things in the periphery of the body is it works on us moving it. Right. You know, and um, that helps probably helps to relieve some discomfort. But the cons are it that's the arm that you're going to be using to write, write and type and do things. And so you're going to have more pain. <laughs> Oh, God, I, I hit the wrong cough button. <laughs> Dad, blast it. You're close. Right down 2930, 2930 will you? got it. So um, now, if you pick your non-dominant arm, uh, it, since it's the arm you're not using as frequently, you may uh, uh, be able to forget about any potential soreness, although I can say that's not true. I mean, you still use it. It's not like you don't use it at all. But um, because your... Um, and not using it as much, the the vaccine may linger longer, linger longer, linger longer, and uh, may cause discomfort in that area longer. So uh, there's no right answer to it. You just pick one and go with it. It's not that bad. Yeah. The um, I, I'll be honest with you. When I had the Shingrix, that pain was way worse. And if you've ever had a tetanus shot, that's the worst. As far as pain in your in your deltoid muscle, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the in the arm muscle, yep. yep. Because a, a tetanus shot sets up a really strong uh, anti or an inflammatory response, and it feels like somebody gave you what we used to call that a gooch or something, where you yeah. take your knuckle middle sa- knuckle sandwich, a middle knuckle, and just jab it into somebody's arm. Yep. And it, and a frog. We call it frog. 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 Yeah, that's frog, it. That's, that's right. Fro- no, this is a gooch. The yeah. gooch is gooch when, is you, different, when yeah. you hold up your. Uh, your fingers, and now this is considered a white supremacy symbol. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, the, I think that's made up, though. I don't. I mean, no. I don't know Who any knows, white supremacists, yeah. but I can't imagine that they use the OK symbol as uh, being serious. I think it's like Pepe the Frog <laughs> was for some of the 4chan guys. They just said that just that's said, what it yeah. was, and and now you see all these people going OK. I don't know if it's real, but um, we used to take it and do the inverse OK, so the three fingers are down with the circle, and you would hold it up to somebody's mouth like a, like a microphone, except you would be pantomiming some, it was something else, yes. like you know, an yes. erect male member. <laughs> I have to be, you know, it's probably didn't need to say that. But anyway, when that was called the gooch, right. you know, I don't know why. And you would do that just to your dumb friends. You just, <laughs> and they, you'd hold it up there and then they'd turn around and look at it. And then you'd, everybody would laugh because yep. they would, you would do it when their head was turned to the left or something and you'd hold it to the right. And then when they turned around, then there was, a, you know, this thing in their face. But, um, so anyway, so where the hell did that come from? Well, we were just talking about the gooch versus oh, yeah, yeah, the frog. Yeah. So, yeah. Want, so the tennis vaccine feels like you got the frog. Yeah. Go ahead, and I'll add to the, just a little bit to those those, those vaccines too, Doctor Steve. If, if you get lucky when they when they insert that needle and they don't hit a little sensory nerve or cutaneous yep. nerve, you're even going to have less pain. Yep. And so if they if they sting you going in, it's probably going to be even sore. Yeah. Depending true. on what part of the muscle they go into. Yep. The the part of the muscle that the needle goes into, if it's near a motor point, it's going to be more sore or less sore. So, well, I see a lot of people different doing this wrong too. Now, we used to the way I was taught to do it, and I think this is a right answer. Oh, now you're standing up. You can't find all your. Shit. I know. I can't. Find <laughs> <laughs> um, is. We used to, we were taught to give an injection with the person, if you're going to give it in their shoulder, mm-hmm. to give it to them with their hand on their hip. And mm-hmm. what that does 
is um, it causes the deltoid muscle to completely relax. Right. If they're holding it down by their side, it's stretched. You don't want it stretched. Mm -hmm. You want it contracted but relaxed. So you want it as thick as you can get it. So everybody, if you're sitting there listening to this, put your hand on your hip and let your arm relax into your hand. And then reach over with your other hand and feel that deltoid muscle. That's the outside muscle of your shoulder. It's completely just like yeah. jelly. It's what we call slack position. <clears throat> yeah. It's okay. slack position. You put yeah. it in a neutral position. Yeah. And when you do that and you give somebody an injection there, it doesn't hurt. Much less painful. Yeah. Because anytime you have a spasm <laughs> in a muscle and you put a, a needle in that spasm. Yeah, it's going to spasm I, even more. I, I do it every day. You have, yep. to, you have to walk them through and say, "This is. it's going to feel like this. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's hopefully going to make it yeah. not spasm in the future. All right, I got to answer this call, and then we'll uh, be right back in just a second. To you all listening, it will be as if time never passed. Give me a. All right, we're back. See, I told you it would be imperceptible, just like anesthesia for uh, colonoscopy. Hey, when you ever had one do, of those? When are you going to do the colonoscopy? Uh, You've already had it. I've already had it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like it's oh, yeah, when, yeah, when yeah, you wake yeah. up. When yeah. you, it's like, when, yeah, you, sorry, when are you going to do? stupid of me. <laughs> sorry, buddy. That was, that was your hanging curveball for the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You were uh, totally appropriate. But, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. When the last one I had, it was like, okay, now count back from 10, that old right saw. On. And I said, this isn't doing anything. I said, 10, 9. And I said, eh, I'm not going to count anymore. And then I looked around, and there was it was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was literally just like yeah, that. yeah. It was like, I'm not going to count anymore. Well, that was really, I would fall asleep and then woke back up and just my brain it was rebooting. And it just said, ah, don't, you know, don't worry with that. But there was no, no perception of time passing. Uh-uh. Nothing. Brain counted, eraser. Counted to eight and it was over. Yep. Just like that. Not like you were asleep. You know, no. when you're asleep, you cut, sometimes you can wake up and say, yeah, I slept a long time. Uh-huh. That's None like they, that. turn, they flip the lights out. It's literally like there's a power switch and they just go click. Yeah. But without even – see, when you flip a switch, you get that click. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's none of that. <laughs> it's just a perfect, seamless – From, from – yeah, I didn't have it, did have it. Right. Completely seamless. There's no in between. Nothing in between. <laughs> yeah, nothing in between. That's true. That is very true. And so it's it's hard to explain to someone that's never that's never had it. You've you had your colon. How old are you? Yeah, yeah I've had uh, fifty two now. You're fifty two. Yeah, I had one about five years ago. It was. It, it, you, you remember me telling that story? I had. A, I'll, I'll make it quick. No, no, no it's <clears> fine. <throat> what the hell? But my. Uh, I had to have what else a, we got to do? What else? I had, to, I had to have a colonoscopy. But I'm gonna sit back down. This mic doesn't sound right. You're supposed to have do a do a, you know a pretty significant prep. Yeah. But I had a clinic all day the day before. So oh, and you didn't. I started my prep that night at seven p.m. When were you supposed to start it? The day, the day before. Wow. Oh God! <laughs> I'm not telling anybody. Do not do what I do. I'm just telling you what I did. Do not do what I do. Do as I say, not as I do. So I started pounding that that drink, buddy. And I'm going to tell you, you talk about an explosive situation oh yeah but you know i got her done so you were that your morning prep was okay the yeah, next day. at 7 a.m yeah yeah um, i think they you know they know so many people just won't do will it half-ass it that yeah. they they do extra I, I i used to like it when they did the fleet's phosphosoda mm-hmm. because the fleet's phosphosoda which if you're interested in that um no filter paul you just go search for that and see if they have video of it on <laughs> opie and anthony 
they had him drink it before they did the walkover, and then they <laughs> they made him stand there with a diaper on. And I guess Club Soda Kenny was blocking his way out. Of course, he wasn't really restraining him. Mm-hmm. And um, they they made him stand there until his bowels oh, evacuated. And no. that that stuff, it was just a little three-ounce bottle. Right but it would roll through you like a tsunami. And I remember having the the diarrhea. That's the, a you know, terrible idea. The watery diarrhea, uh, the force of it that was just shooting out. You know, it wasn't just dropping out. It was shooting out under pressure. Oh, yeah. If I had stood up and bent over, I could have hit a wall 20 feet behind me with what was coming out of my ass. Easily. And the weird thing is, is you do that two or three times, then you rest for a little bit, then you take another one and... <laughs> The second time, um, I remember I just I filled the pot up. I had to because it was just coming out, coming out, coming out. It wouldn't stop. And when I stood up and looked at it, clear as a crystal mountain clear. stream. Yep. Crystal clear. Yep. It's the most bizarre thing. I tell you what, my, I, I drank so that so much of that so fast. It was a I I was kind of you were drinking Miralax, right? Off of yeah, I was drinking yeah. Miralax, and 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 um, it was I was levitating off of the toilet. Yeah, I know that's what it <laughs> feels like. It's like what the hell? I was going to do a film for uh, Dragon Con one year. They had an amateur film festival, mm-hmm. and it was called Festival of Feces. <laughs> and the only thing that I actually got done was the theme song. <laughs> I did do the theme song, but the idea was that this guy was going to have that same sort of thing, mm-hmm. and he was going to, uh, uh, you know, be sitting on the pot and have voluminous diarrhea and then at one point it was going to be so bad it was going to he was going to levitate under the you know the rocket pressure because sure. remember Newton for every action there's an equal opposite reaction so sure. be shooting out of his ass so much it was actually lifting him off the seat <laughs> and then at one point you know and there was just going to be just a you know a turd fest <laughs> in this bathroom i had a bathroom that i had mocked up in this shed uh, you know up behind my house it was big enough to put a little film studio in yeah. and we were going to do it in there it just never happened but it would have been funny and then the very end of the thing this the guy was going to fall to the ground and just split open and this giant turd was going to emerge from his body and run off and that was the end of the thing sounds lovely <laughs> stupid well i was a little bit just, younger then yeah a lot younger then. <laughs> festival of feces, festival of feces. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So anyway, that's great. Um, yeah, but that you just reminded me of that. But I, I, you know what stimulated me was the um, bowel prep that you had to do with a colonoscopy. That I was thinking that exact thing. Mm-hmm. I had to have it uh, earlier than fifty for a couple of different reasons, uh, or have a bowel prep, and and that's you know I. That, that's what made me think of that movie. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah, my friend Sha- Shannon Wallen, who is in horror films. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was in some trauma films and some other films like that. Oh, cool. And uh, he was going to star in it. So, huh. yeah. What, what a, and he would my thing there. was is that the Dragon Con Film Festival was all just a nerd fest. Mm-hmm. And you could put anything in there you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to have people puking. Because they're all in there, and they were doing, like, uh, Star Trek cosplay kind of uh, right. episodes and stuff. And then there would be a little comedy thing based on Star Wars with the, you know, fake lightsabers and stuff. And then I just wanted all this, you know, sort of nice stuff. And then all of a sudden, f- <laughs> Festival of Feces, and there's shit oh, everywhere. Man. You would have won. Well... I wouldn't have won, but I would have. it would have been a victory. A lasting impression. It would have been a victory. 
That and I did great. win a cartooning um, uh, competition at Dragon Con one year. Okay. This was weird. And I, this whole show's gone off the rails. I wasn't, it's, gone, it's gone to shit. We weren't even going to do one today. So, I, you know, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> but um, I um, uh, went with this guy. His name was Steve. And he was, at that time, you know, Claudia, our friend. Well, anyway, that's sure. an end thing, but it, he was, they were together. Right. And he was an artist. And Jim Lee, who is an amazing artist at that time, he was doing Superman, I think, okay. was going to um, uh, judge this competition. So we all went to watch Steve win because mm-hmm. he was the best artist we knew. And they just passed out paper. And so I just doodled this thing. And what it was was these two round, they look like potatoes with arms and legs and faces on them. And they're looking up at the sun and they go, and the one guy goes, what is it? And the other one goes, I don't know. And then in the next panel, they, they're bowing down. They said, well, let's worship it then. And I, that, that was it. That was the whole thing. It was just really amateurish, pencil cartoon. And so I just turned it in along with everything else. And Jim Lee is going through these. He goes, whoa, you know, what is this? We need to have a content award. And I, and, um, so, uh, you know, should we? He had to take a vote because there was one for art, and then and then he wanted to do one for content. I didn't know what he was doing, that he would come across mine. I hadn't even thought about it because okay. there were two hundred people in there. He just threw everything in. So I actually donated like twenty bucks or something to to be the content award. I just went up there, and it, it was just my opportunity to go up and be that close to Jim Lee because it was like a superstar to us sure. comic book nerds. Sure, <laughs> and but it was my cartoon. <laughs> And my friend Steve didn't even get honorable mention, and I walked off with the, you know, this prize. Mm-hmm. So I got my twenty bucks back, and uh, and he signed it. That was cool. I, said, I asked to, uh, Jim Lee to sign it. So, but anyway, it was funny. Poor old Steve. He was pissed. Uh, anyway, there you go. There you go. Not a great story, but it was kind of cool. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. All right. Uh, let me see. We did vaccines. Okay. Well, let's do this one then. You can answer this one. California. I'm a big fan of your show. Um, oh, wait, let's get his name podcast. in. Hi, Dr. Steve. This is Barry in Southern California. Barry. Hello, Barry. I'm a big fan of your show. Um, I watch the podcast all the time. <laughs> and uh, I, you've probably talked about this before, but I was wondering and kind of arguing with my wife about the benefits of flaxseed oil. Okay. I supplement with about 1,000 milligrams of flaxseed oil uh, each day. Um, is there really a a good health benefit to flaxseed oil, or is it just kind of uh, urban legend? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends. What I always ask people is, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're trying to prevent cancer by taking flaxseed oil, there really isn't any evidence for that. Or if you're trying to take cancer to improve your erections, there's really not any evidence for that. However, flaxseed oil has omega-3 fatty acids, and the one that it has is alpha-linoleic acid in it. And the body uses alpha-linoleic acid and converts it into other fatty acids, including these um, ones, uh, uh, docosahexanoic acid and icosopentanoic acid. And both of these are used by the body in beneficial ways. So flaxseed oil is... Fine. It doesn't have the same nutrients as the whole seed. It's mostly you're taking it for omega-3s. So it can reduce 
help reduce some cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. It may uh, play a role in decreasing the ba- quote-unquote bad cholesterol or LDL cholesterol. There was a small study uh, that very small, 15 people, and they either got flaxseed oil or corn oil once a day with dinner. And uh, they looked at them at the beginning and then 12 weeks later, and those who got the corn oil had no change in their cholesterol levels. Those who had the flaxseed oil had a significant decrease in, in LDL. So that's how we know things. You know, now, did that mean anything? Did they have fewer heart attacks and stroke? Because who, who cares what your cholesterol is if it doesn't reduce heart attack and stroke? And we don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. You think that it might help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you reduce someone's cholesterol with a statin drug and you reduce them the same amount with another drug like Zetia, and I can't even, Zetia is so uh, behind me, I don't even remember its, uh, its generic name. But you don't get the same reduction in heart attack and stroke. So it's not just the LDL reduction. You know, statin drugs right. have some anti-inflammatory activity. They do more things than that. So that, you know, may not have anything to do with anything. Now, what I said before, if you're trying to prevent cancer, it, let me qualify that. There may be, may be some cancers that um, you can reduce your risk by taking, um, you know, omega-3s. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of research still needs to be done. Sure. It hasn't been done. There was a study, and I'm getting this from Medical News Today, uh, a study on mice with lung tumors found that those that consumed a 10% flaxseed diet, which would be huge a lot. for a human, Shit, yeah. had fewer tumors compared <clears throat> with those in the control group. And uh, there's a literature review that showed that in animal studies, fatty acid and flaxseed oil may suppress breast tumor size and growth, as well as promote cancer death. So, you know, look, if you had cancer and you said, I want to take flaxseed oil, I'm not going to stop you because mm-hmm. I don't see any downside to it. Right. To do, as, as long as you're doing the other things, you're not doing that instead of other things. You're doing it to supplement mm-hmm. things. I think you're okay. Uh, m- there's a, a systematic review. That's where they take a whole bunch of different studies and mush them together, analyze studies to determine the effect of flaxseed oil on people with diabetes. And uh, people who had pre-diabetes um, who took in 13 grams. So this guy's taking one gram, 1,000 milligrams. So mm-hmm. they took in 13 of those pills a day. Right. Um, uh, or they took 26 grams of flaxseed. That's okay. quite a bit. Actually, this is flaxseed, not flaxseed oil, so I don't know what the concentration of oil was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had decreased blood sugar levels, uh, and uh, those who ate higher doses of flaxseed didn't experience any changes, so there is a uh, point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, use, we use flaxseed a lot in Chinese medicine. Especially sure you do. For for um, bowel movements to soften the stools a little bit. Yeah, because it can cause gas, bloating, and diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it, it, it can certainly help soften the stools a little bit. Anti-inflammatory, um, certainly great. I will say this personally. Um, if I take it and don't make the right concoction, it's kind of hard on my stomach. My stomach, I get a little gastritis, Yeah, just a little bit of inflammation. But I was reading in PubMed where they did show that flaxseed oil may help um, and they're doing more research on it with with some of the cancer cells for cervical cancers. Yeah, uh, yeah. They the the one study that I looked at did say that it may increase the rate of a thing called apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. You but, mean you apoptosis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So it's just for people out there, it is spelled A P O P T O S I S, but it's apoptosis with the P is silent. No, it's a, it's, it's all right. It's one of my pet peeves, but as you well know, that's why <laughs> yes, you said I did. it. But um, so uh, yeah, I have no. It's like vitamin D. The evidence for taking vitamin D is getting better. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with taking vitamin D as long as you don't take it to the point where you get hypervitaminosis D. I'm fine with right. it. And the same thing with flaxseed oil. I would be okay with it. Yeah, it might help. Might help. It might. Probably won't hurt. Probably won't hurt, yep. So so we're with you, big boy. Yep, there you go. So All right. You. All right. Let's see. Oh, we have a celebrity calling us. Dr. Steve, this is the Port Charlotte whore. <laughs> Just let you know I'm moving north a little bit, so now I'll be the... Sarasota slut. But anyways, I had a- okay. For people who don't listen to the podcast, this is just a recurring thing at the end of the show. Is the Port Charlotte whore? This is actually her. Is too. your poop supposed to float or is it supposed to sink? Yeah. Uh oh, she got something. Catch you later. Okay. Hi, Casey. <laughs> I can't have my whore talking to my wife. So, what are the things that could cause? this to happen. We said the mechanism by which stool would float. One is fiber consumption. And if you take certain fibers that have a lot of undigestible sugars in them, those will cause gas. So psyllium, which is Metamucil, sold as Metamucil, um, causes a lot of gas because it has undigestible sugars in it. Um, and that, uh, th- therefore, as a laxative, you know, it's a little more bloaty than, say, c- citrus cell is. Oh, you know, I haven't used this in quite some time. Hell, I don't even know if I still got it up here. I was like, where is it? Oh, there it is. Shit. Whoop de doo. Anyway, um, wasn't any better now than it was 10 years ago when I did that. Uh, so, but citrusel is not digestible by the gut bacteria, and therefore causes no gas. So, if you're taking a fiber supplement, inulin or chicory root is another one that causes a lot of gas. Matter of fact, it's so consistent that when they were wanting to do the fart smelling contest at Opie and Anthony, I made for them this device that they could hold up to their ass and then put a gas mask on, and then they could smell nothing but fart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, if we were going to have a contest, I was going to have everybody take a couple of doses of inulin, not only the night before, but as soon as they woke up in the morning, and they would have plenty of flatus for the uh, that would be fodder for the for the bit. But it never happened. After I sent them the the contraption, they just started farting into <laughs> it and using it anyway. So <laughs> lovely. All right. Um, so uh, so in a in other words, the fiber causes gas. Gas causes the density of the stool to decrease, and if it decreases enough, it will float in water. Kind of like a boat. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of. That's right. Uh, They also say that some infections in the GI tract, like E. coli, salmonella, or Norwalk virus, will cause uh, um, cause it to float. But again, it's because those infections also cause gas. And these things are temporary. Uh, some gastrointestinal disorders can cause your stool to float. 
Um, this again is from Medical News Today. 26% of people with functional bowel disorders like irritable bowel syndrome will have floating stools. So in those people, it's almost normal. Hmm. And uh, but for so for some people, floating stool may be the first sign of a gastrointestinal or bowel problem. And when it happens with pain, diarrhea, bloating, or constipation, you might want to get checked. And then the thing that I alluded to before is malabsorption, and that's because the stool becomes very fatty. So fat floats. We know that oil floats. That's why you have oil slicks on water. So when you have malabsorption, in other words, your body isn't able to absorb fat that you eat, it will roll through the bowel and it gets mixed up in the stool and that will cause the density of the stool again to decrease and it'll float. So if you see floating stools with pools of oil, you know, globs of oil floating on the surface, that's a sign of malabsorption. Go get checked out. You could just have a stone in your bile duct because the bile, you know, bile secretions in the bowel help to um, solubilize fat and present it to the bowel to be able to be digested. And there are other things like that that can cause it. So just get checked out. If you see an oil floating, unless you ate a fish called escalar, okay. which I highly recommend you just don't bother with. Escalar is also called butterfish. And it's very tasty fish, hence the name butterfish. But if you eat more than about six ounces, you will have violent uh, orange, oily stools. Oh, goodness. And that is not a, something that you need to worry about if you know, oh, God, I ate that butterfish tonight. All right? No. Okay, no. Got anything else? Um, nope. All right. Well, let's get out of here then. Uh, we cannot forget Dr. Scott and Tacy. She's a good. Uh, we're going to say hello to the Port Charlotte whore again. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy 1008, she who owns pigs and snakes, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, she that doth not have a PhD, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, the great Rob Bartlett, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103s, Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at I Don't Know, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap until next time check your stupid nuts for lumps quit smoking get off your asses and get some exercise we'll see you in one week for the next edition of weird medicine did you bring any of that stupid nose spray by the way no do you have any of it yeah i got some at the office i can get you do but you don't have it on your website no because I will tell you, the Port Charlotte whore, that was one of the reasons she reached out to me. She was okay. saying that it's not on your website. Yeah, honey, my, my, my um, <clears throat> web guy, Rick, I reached out to him last week. I hadn't heard nothing. I didn't even hit him again. Okay. You, you ain't heard nothing. Ain't That's heard such good grammar. It's terrible grammar. <laughs> but I have not heard anything from okay. him. Right. As of... I'll, you know what? That's a good... I'll do that now, actually. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We'll see you, everybody. Scott failed again. Yes. No spring. Those are <laughs>